From technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution, a culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and delivering the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. Today, Susan Scherer is being joined by Cheryl L. Mason. Cheryl serves as the chairman of the Board of Veterans Appeals. She is the first woman to hold this position. The board's mission is conducting hearings and deciding appeals on benefits and services for veterans and their families. The pandemic really made us all think about how to operate in a totally new environment. I've seen that over the past two years, the board has not just kept up, but has set records. Can you talk about how you've done this? We have board magic is what we have. Let me start with an amazing uh, staff. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of just here managing them uh, and leading them and setting, setting directions, but they are the truly amazing um, people that are getting this done. So the boards had a, had a secret that I don't think was well publicized. So before COVID, we had about not quite 50% of our attorney workforce that were already teleworking. And that was something that the board had been doing for a while. I had expanded that to remote work primarily initially for our military spouses under military spouse hiring authority, but then I expanded it to, to our entire um, attorney workforce. And we were actually um, in late 19 looking at expanding telework and remote work for the rest of our staff and figuring out how to do that. And then uh, COVID. <laughs> and so uh, we actually got everybody out of the office in two weeks time. Uh, and that's partially because we have board magic, but also uh, we knew how to do it because we had been doing telework and remote work for a little bit. And so expanding uh, to the rest of our staff, which you know, was was about another thousand people <laughs> or so because uh, we had hired some people. We literally were hiring at the same time, uh, and and so so we were able to do that. That was our first piece of magic. So the key to all magic uh, is always your people, and so your people and at the board, um, our people are our most valuable asset. We can't do our jobs without them. They are the ones that make the difference every day, and so we have to invest in them and encourage them and support them. And in COVID, that was the challenge. Um, so the other thing is we had several things happen in the government that allowed us to support our people, including Maxiflex work, so they could work, you know, all day long. That's still in place. So if they had to, you know, take care of a family member or they were teaching their children school, whatever that was, we were able to manage that. And so that gave a lot more flexibility. But what we found is it also enhanced quality of life. For our people. And so, you know, the people, most of our staff really appreciated that um, because it, it made their, their life easier. We had quite a few more people ask to go remote, which was moved completely out of the DC area. We do have a few positions, not very many, but a few here that do have to be in DC, but, and do come into the office. But even in those, we can do a telework schedule. So we made that work. At the same time, <laughs> that was going on. We were also, when I had become chairman in late 2017, one of my first 
visits was to IT and I knocked on their door and said, I need virtual telehearing technology like we do, you know, telehealth. I need, you know, I need the same thing for hearings. And um, so we actually got it and we were piloting and testing it in fall of 19 with a plan to roll it out in spring of 2020. Well, we didn't stop. We rolled it out in spring of 2020 (laughs) and it was timing was everything because we didn't have to stop hearings, whereas other places had to stop some of those direct veteran services, except for, you know, VHA, of course, because they care for the veteran. But we didn't have to stop. We could just move to a virtual environment just like we're doing today. And uh, it took a little bit of work with our veteran service organizations and our veteran representatives, but it, w- it caught on pretty quick. And so today, about 96% of our hearings are virtual. Uh, people are constantly moving into the virtual. The great thing that it does is that, you know, a veteran can hold a hearing from this little piece of uh, technology right here, the, tel- the cell phone, and they can do it from their home. They can do it from wherever they are. You know, we do um, encourage them to make sure they're, you know, protecting their PII. But we've had veterans do it from vehicles during their lunch hour. Sometimes, you know, we have a we have a great tech support team in our hearing unit. And sometimes they uh, get on the phone with a veteran to help them through the process. We've actually done a hearing with a veteran in the parking lot at Best Buy <laughs> after they got, you know, something they needed for, for, for their hearing. And, you know, it's just made it more versatile um, for our veterans who now they don't have to travel before they had to travel sometimes four to six hours, spend the night, pay for a hotel. It's stressful. Now we just, you know, jump online, hold the hearing and move forward. So, so that piece of technology, and then we had a few other pieces of technology that we rolled out. We also, I think, roll, I think you knew we rolled out the interactive decision template in um, early in 2018, which um, is an internal board creation, kind of just using already tools we have, uh, but, you know, putting something together that, that made sense for what we worked. And we've added to that. So we've added Project Stoplight to the interactive decision template, uh, which kind of the interactive deci- decision template pulls veterans information from the database file, puts right. it into to the template. And then, you know, we, of course, have to draft and adjudicate the case because each veteran is a unique person and brings their experiences and perspectives to their appeal, their claim and appeal. And then our job is to look at the evidence and see if there's equipoise or see if we can just straight out grant. So, but the project stoplight is one of those areas that we're trying to help our quality. Our quality has always been pretty good, but you know, we always can improve it. And so what project stoplight does, it's, it's a word search where it can check to see if there's errors using case law. We can put it, we can, you know, put in what we want to check against. And then it, it highlights those and says, whoa, stop, take a look at this, make sure it matches or make sure it's in alignment. And so that's been helpful. So we implemented that this year. So that's, you know, that's kind wow. of where our magic is. So it's people, process, and technology. We streamline some processes as well. Uh, we've also added a little bit to the team here and there, and we're continuing to do that. So it's all about the veteran experience. I know that that's a, it is. A, a very important focus of yours. What kinds of responses are you hearing from the veterans with this new technology and the ability to host these hearings and save time? Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that, too. 
So, so we do, um, with Veterans Experience Office here in the VA, we, we run a, what we call a V-Signal survey and the board was an early adopter of that. And so we've been, we've had that in place since fall of 2018 and we check it, you know, we check it against hearings, we check it against our letters and against our decisions. Our hearings, um, are our top scoring. We get like 90, over 95%. Wow. Uh, positive responses um, that the judges may, you know, understand the case, that the judges are listening to the veterans, that they feel connected to the judges. So that's that's really phenomenal. The veterans are really pleased with with the process and, and the, the technological support they receive. Um, they very much do appreciate the ability to hold the hearing from somewhere they're, they're comfortable, especially for our veterans who, who have stress challenges or mental health challenges. It just, it's just easier. And also to have the f- support of family. You know, we understand that not all veterans, um, you know, are, are savvy in the tech world. I'm, you know, I'm not. So, you know, why should they be? Right. And so we, um, we encourage veterans to, to work with their family members and we will work with their family members as long as the veteran is, is approving and comfortable, uh, with the family member listening to the testimony and, and, and helping through that process. So, so we've heard really great things about that. So, like I said, I think we, I, I'd have to look at the V signal scores, but I, we sit between like 94 and 97% for our hearings, uh, which is really remarkable. Our overall trust scores have increased over the past year, which is really wonderful to see because you, you really have to put it in perspective. So, you know, the board does appeals. We we um, adjudicate appeals. And so we don't always say yes. And um, we do our best uh, to try to get to yes. But we deny probably about 30, 32% of our appeals. But yet our trust scores have gone up from 40 to nearly 45% in the past year with our veteran community which is telling us that even if we're saying no um, or we have to send it back for more information, the veterans understand and we're helping them understand. And so they do trust that piece, which, which I think that information is really important for us to have, how we can build that trust and continue with the trust with our veterans, uh, because that's what, that's what we're all about. I agree. And uh, the leadership in that space is so important. And that connection is so important to mm-hmm. make sure that everybody is aligned with what's happening on both sides of the house. So congratulations on that. That's really big. So um, Chairman, is the board planning any other technology improvements over the next year or within the next yes. months? <laughs> yes, we're we're still working with um getting caseload fully operational. Um we you know it's it's made huge strides this year. Um that's to replace the previous vehicle system, which was uh, built for the board about 45 years ago and will still kind of remain in the background, but the case flow system is more of an end-to-end operational system. And so we're continuing with upgrades and functional capacity there, which we're very excited about to kind of help get cases in the door and move them through the process. But the, uh, the, probably the biggest one we're looking at is, is there's actually two, um, is going to be the filing of appeals online on VA.gov. Um, that's something that should happen. We, we're a little bit delayed um, because of various impacts um, 
COVID impacts, believe it or not, did impact that. And uh, so we're a little bit delayed in, in getting um, the ability for a veteran to file their their appeal to the board under the Appeals Modernization Act online. But that should be coming, I think they're telling me, second quarter of 2022. So fingers crossed, um, which will be really helpful because um, then they won't have to mail it and it won't have to go through that process. We're also upgrading um, our mailing process with some machine learning and AI. Uh, that's supposed to happen in the next couple of months. Um, but the other one is electronic notification, and we're really excited about that. So under the law, the board is required to mail um, snail mail, all of our decisions and like all of our hearing notice letters and everything like that. And it's quite frankly been a challenge during COVID. Um, there've been mail delays. We currently have a, a major mail delay, um, with the government printing office, um, because they were handling kind of how our mail went out because of how things worked during COVID. And, um, and that really brought to the forefront the importance of, of the electronic notification. So what we're hoping to see this year, and, and we're working on it right now, is um, we'll have electronic notifications for those veterans who want it um, and who would, who would like to have that via email um, for both they and the representative. And, and then we'll still con- continue the snail mail because that's important. We have veterans who rely on that and that's really important for them. So that's, that's kind of the big, those two things is, is, you know, filing electronically your appeal and then electronic notification. We're also hoping, and this is in the works, but uh, it kind of changes. So I've got to see where it is. We'd really like to have the notification system. Um, it's called, I think, believe VA notify. We're trying to make sure that we can use that so that when the veteran does file their appeal or something happens with them, they get notification of your appeal is here or your appeal is here. This is what's happening because a lot of times veterans feel like they're just lost um, because, you know, we do have nearly 200,000 appeals. Uh, we still have about 90,000 of the legacy cases, uh, appeals and about a hundred, 106,000 of the, um, new AMA appeals. And we're working all of that, but we don't want the veterans to feel like they're lost. We want them to know what's going on. And so those communications are really important. And that's something that we, we are seeing in our V signal surveys that we're working on. That's awesome. And for identifying those areas that really need to be fine tuned and, it makes sense in this digital age to be able to do that. Congratulations yeah. on leading that effort. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I, when I get an appointment or something, I get a text saying, you know, this is what's happening. So we should be able to do that. We should, we should be able to communicate with the veterans uh, in that way and let them know what's going on. And so we're definitely working on that. That's fantastic. Uh, very excited to hear more about that and, and see that come to fruition as we go into 2022. So what are the board's goals for FY 2022? Well, we have some big goals for 2022. So, you know, for the last four years, the board has set consecutive records and I'm very proud of the board. Um, this year we did almost a hundred thousand decisions out the door. We did 99,721. We held a record number of hearings, um, nearly 24,000, uh, hearings, which was really remarkable because we were still challenged with COVID and we're up, you know, we're operating our hearings over all four portfolios. So we've got in-person central office, in-person 
um, travel boards and videos at the regional office and then virtual. So um, our hearing team is, is very busy and very amazing. Um, but additionally to that, we've also hired judges. We hired um, 20 judges this this spring. Uh, we've had several join us already. A few more will be joining us this fall, uh, or early in 2022. We've had, adding, we're adding to the staff, uh, because if you add judges, you have to add staff. Um, each judge is about 10 people. That's not all attorneys. That's operational and administrative staff. And so we're actually getting ready to go out for another big, uh, we just finished the announcement and we're getting ready to start interviews shortly for another round of um, judges, probably mm-hmm. around 30 or so. The secretary and I sat down when he arrived and, and we talked about, you know, the board's challenges, what I was seeing. There were a lot of things, you know, that kind of hit us all at once last fall with legacy and AMA happening. And um, I told him we need more judges, we need more people. And he agreed. And so he increased the number of judges to about um, pretty close to 140, which is a big, a big jump from 100. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, so of course, that's an additional staff to support those judges again. So we'll be hiring the rest of those judges um, this fall uh, through that process. And that's a process the Secretary is the appointing authority and then the White House approves. So, um, but the other thing is because we're doing all that, our numbers for next year, our goal is 111,500 decisions. Um, So I I think we're going to hit it. It's a stretch, but I think we can do it. Um, What we've set for our hearings is even more of a stretch. Um, We want to, we're kind of redoing how we approach hearings. In the past, the board has kind of automatically adjusted in for no-shows. Um, that doesn't work for me. I'm kind of the build the build it, you know, build it, they will come, field of dreams thing. Um, right. as I said, we have this great process now with virtual. Veterans should be able, for the most part, I mean, there will, you know, still be a few people, you know, life happens and that, you know, postponements happen. But um, so our goal is 50,000 scheduled and 50,000 held. Wow. And we have, you know, we have about 88,000 hearings pending, which is about half of our caseload. So we really need to hold those hearings. Veterans have requested those hearings. And so if they request the hearing, we want to make sure that they get their hearing. But we can't get a case to decision if they requested a hearing until we hold that hearing. And so we're working with our VSO community and our representative community to figure out how we do that and how we support veterans getting those hearings that, that they want and uh, getting their case to resolution because that's what we're about is resolving veterans appeals. So, so those are, our, those are our goals. Um, you know, like I said, we've got a few more things in the work. We're, we're doing some work around our quality, doing some work around some uh, AI, you know, better use of AI and, and technology in a couple of areas. So I'm hoping that, you know, 22 is going to be a, a fifth consecutive record setting year. I, I expect it to with the amazing people that work here. Uh, they are committed to making a difference to veterans and, and it's really exciting. Chairman Mason, that you're making an impact every day and so is your team. You should be so charged up. And thank goodness you started working on all of the all of the virtual ahead of time. I mean, everybody will say that, right? We were ready. We were prepared. And we proved that it would work. Yeah. And congratulations. 
Yeah, we, we prove the virtual works. We prove that we can work virtually and give our people good quality of life and balance uh, and get get our operation done in, you know, a remote telework uh, workforce and save some money on space, um, you know, which is important. I have to be a good steward of, of the taxpayers' dollars um, and still make a difference and serve those veterans who are counting on us to deliver. Uh, and that's that's really what it's about. So I'm very, very proud of the team, very excited, can't wait to see what 2022 holds. Um, it's like I said, this this uh, this the staff at the board is is the, the biggest secret we have. So <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't wait to talk to you this time next year to talk about your incredible numbers and the incredible work that you're driving each and every day. Thank so you. Susan. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for making a difference for veterans. And uh, thank you for always pushing that envelope to make sure that the veteran experience is number one. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts by G2 Exchange Media, please visit www.vethealthit.com and look for the podcast section at the top of the page. Music by Jam Studio, courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. <laughs>